it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. We're in a series right now called Start With Why, and today we're talking about our why. Last two weeks was your why. Today we took the why off, and now we're talking our why, the capital C Church why. And as Wyatt puts this on the screen, um, I just want to kind of go over how this works. The, the bullseye is the why. That's really what you're trying to get to in your life, in your personal journey. That's why we started with you first. And as you identify your why, what happens is you tend to lean into those hows. It's easy to get lost in the how. It's easier to hit that how, right? But you tend to get lost in the how. And then if you do, you make it out to the what, right? And the what's are really easy to hit. We like what's. We like what's everywhere. And so we can easily adopt the what. The, 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 the problem in how we approach the IY, which is called the golden circle, you can find it on Google. It's not going to look as good as this, okay? But, but it'll be there. When you look at this, what we need to understand is most people start from the outside in. They start with a what because we can find what's real easy because that's how our culture works. And then we determine, okay, we like that. And so how are we going to do this? And the how is determined on, on what we, personal preference, what we like, all those things. And then we're after a desired result. The middle is not about a why because you're never going to define a why last. It's always going to be defined first. Why am I doing this should be the first question you ask, not the third or fourth question when you hit up, when you run up against a brick wall, right? And so then I want to look at this. Um, I want to look at this new why. And this is Acts 2.42-47. through We're going to look at how this applies to the first church, to the first church or the church of Acts. And we're going to keep this scripture kind of on the bottom of the screen the whole time. It's pretty thick, so it might be rotating. I'm not sure. And so as we look at Acts 2, 42 through 47, I'm going to read this out loud. We should read it together. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's huge. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so as we throw this, this second um, why I up here, what I want you to see is their why. Their why was verse 43. And before I jump to 43, let me just look. What do we have here? Let's look at what we have in Acts 2.42 through 47. Just kind of to decipher this in, in plain English. What you have in verse 42 is you see they devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship. Sorry, teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and to prayer. How that translates today is they were consistent. I've got some C's, C words for you if you're, if you're taking notes. It's a great place to start taking notes. Get on the edge of your seat. Let's get engaged today. They were consistent. They were consistent to engage in the truth, the teachings, right? And they were consistent to engage in fellowship, right? The truth is now today our Bible. There was community. There was like-minded believers, community, consistency, Community, like-minded believers, they broke bread together. They had or took communion, right? They had a meal together. They remember. 
they remember. They took time to remember. Really, one of the hardest things right now, or one of the things that causes us to drift from our why as the church, as the Capital City Church, is we fail to remember daily or weekly who Jesus is. And why God said, our memory is our motivation, right? Most of us can remember the day that we made a decision to follow Jesus. We can. But the farther that gets away, the farther you drift from your why. And when we as a church fail to remember what Jesus did for us, we drift from our why. We drift from our why. And so, and prayer. What's prayer? It's connection. Prayer is connection to God the Father because Jesus came and restored the way. In verse 43, you see, because of their consistency and not neglecting to meet together, right? They had these things. It's Hebrews 10.25. Do not neglect to meet together. And what you see in verse 43 is because of their consistency, because they did not neglect to meet together, they witnessed God moving among them. They saw it. All and signs, right? They saw God move among them because they were consistent in community, communion, and connecting. Right? In verse 44, you see that they were kingdom people. They were like-minded, kingdom-minded, kingdom-hearted people. They had the good of everybody in mind, right? In verse 45, you see that they did whatever necessary to help someone in need. Sometimes I look at that and think, we get convicted. Man, I've worked really hard for everything I own. I don't want to sell everything I own to, to go give it to somebody to blow on Mickey D's or drugs or alcohol. He's not saying that. God wants so much good for your life that you can't comprehend it. He wants it so badly for you that when you try to interpret it, you misunderstand it. And you take things like this, and you and and we and you or we or I, I mean, I've done it. We twist it when we bend it out of proportion. But in verse 45, what you see is compassion. There's another C word. They did whatever necessary to help everyone in need. Anyone who had a need, they did what it took to help that person. That's what it is to be the church. It's compassion. It's having compassion, having a heart of compassion. Jesus was full of compassion. Verse 46. They continued. They didn't waver. They kept believing. They were thankful. They were thankful. They were genuine with each other, which takes real relationship. That's what you see in verse 46. Verse 47, you see that they praised God together, that they enjoyed being together. And because they were all of these things, verse 42 through 46, because they were all of these things, God continually to add to the kingdom. It wasn't about building a building. It wasn't about a monument. It wasn't about um, anything that had to, to do with structure. It had to do with kingdom. It was a why. And because they were consistent in doing all of this, they enjoyed being together. They prayed together. All the C words that I just talked about, because they did that, they were all these things, and God continually to add it to add to their number. To add to, their number means to add to the kingdom. People were saved, people were baptized, and kingdom number increased. Heavenly number increased. Value in heaven increased. No value on earth changed. What we just did is we changed the scale. We flipped the scale in heaven. And so then, when you look at this why, that, that why it's set up for a minute or two, you see the why is verse 43. The why is verse 43. Why? Because we want God's will on earth. It's, it's, it's Matthew 6, really. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, okay, 
as is in heaven, on earth as is in heaven. What did they see in verse 43 in their why? They saw God move. That's why, that's why we gather. We want to see God's will done in our life. We want to see God moving on our behalf. We want to experience God's presence in our lives. It's verse 43. It's deeper than even I can say right now. Now, when you bump out of the why, when you bump out of the why and you realize, okay, verse 43 is a why. Great, Dusty. Well, how'd they do that then? The how is verse 44 and verse 46. The how is verse 44 and verse 46. They were kingdom-minded people, right? They did whatever, uh, oh, sorry, they continued. They didn't waver. They kept believing. They could. They pushed on. Verse 40, um, sorry. Verse 44 is all believers were together and had everything in common. Woo! Can we do that today? No. No, because we all have opinions, right? God bless the opinion. In verse 46, Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together, ooh, this is good, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This was part of their being. When you see verse 44 and 46, you see this is who they are. All believers were together and had everything in common. It was who they were. It was their being. They were being the human race, human beings. Verse 46 is similar every day, consistently continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were genuine with each other. There was authenticity when you stepped in. You knew me because there was relationship. I I didn't have to front with you. I didn't have to put on this false front. I just got to be who I am. It was multicultural, if that makes sense. It wasn't, it wasn't I shelf my culture and my history and my past at the front door. And when I go in, I clean up. And look sharp, and and I look. Do I look? Do I look as good as everybody else? And I go in. It was no man. Just come over. It doesn't matter what the house looks like. Uh, your yeah, your house last week. My house this week. It's all good. Just come. Just come. And when you bump out to the what, you see that the what is verse forty two, forty five, and forty seven. It's devotion. What they do, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to consistently being about community, remembering, communion, and being connected, praying together, praying together. They were like-minded, right? Verse 45. They did whatever it took. They had compassion, the other C. They had compassion to help anyone who had a need, to help anyone who had a need. In verse 47, they praised God, and they worshiped, and they enjoyed the favor of all people, and God added to the number. That's what they did. That's what they did. And so when you see that, you realize, wow, we can not We can do that. We can do that. And the reality is we can do that even where we sit today. It's not about, man, I sure miss uh, Pew 7, you know, seat 6. sure miss that thing. It's not about that. It's about this. It's about community, right? And so I want to answer the question today, what is traditional church? What is traditional church? And when we talk about traditional church, it's important to remember that what we think of as traditional church is not really described in the Bible. Not really. You can, you can twist and pick and, and, and pluck as much as you want, but what has developed as traditional church has came from centuries of changes and attempts to reclaim the early church practice. 
What did the early church do? That's what we want to do. But over 2,000 years later, we've taken that and we've lost a lot of the why and we stuck to the what. Well, we need to do this, 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 and this. And if we do that, that's a church service, right? And while these traditions aren't necessarily bad, it's not that there's a bad tradition. Traditions are great, right? It's not they're bad. It's important to remember that they are just that. They are just traditions, and most of them have been created by man. Somebody Im implemented them a long time ago, and, and because we don't want to hurt their feelings or upset the, the, you know, the parish or the congregation, we just keep it, right? By the way, tradition and sacraments and communion and prayer and, and all the things that make up the, that, the why that's up here right now, all the things that make that up, those are untouchable, okay? That is why we come together, okay? It's, it's stuck to the why. There are hows and what's in there, but the why. So we're not talking about tradition when we talk about this. We're not talking about traditions, okay? And so the bigger question that we need to answer is this. If the church service is full of or dependent only upon practices and traditions, where does God fit into all of this? Where does God fit into the service plan? Well, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and I can and I can lay out service plans in my head. Like, and to be honest with you, I try to mix it up here so we don't fall into that. So we don't fall into that, right? Well, you know, you know how the service goes. We do this, 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 and this. And so then, if the church itself is dependent upon that practice, is dependent upon that tradition or that way because we took it from another church or uh, we like the way this church over here did it. If we do that, where does God fit in? Where does God fit in? And when we put God on the timer and say, all right, start the stopwatch. We have 58 minutes. We have 58 minutes for God to move here. And if we don't get it done in these 58 minutes, that's false. That's all false. It's fake. It's fake. And if the church is dependent upon those practices and those traditions, and we don't get God in the mix, we don't bring the gospel up front where it's supposed to be, where Jesus taught it, right? Where the disciples and the apostles taught it and people committed themselves to it, right? If it's not there, where will he work? Where will the gospel work on your behalf? And so then you have to answer the question, so then are we just here? Do we just do church to practice something? Do we just do church to honor a tradition, right? Do we just do church because, well, we've been coming here and doing this and sitting in that seat? For generations, that's our family's, that's our family's share, right? Faith is not a practice. It's not something that we do. Faith was never intended to be a do. Faith is an action, but it's not a practice and it's not something that we do. It's a walk. The action is the walk and it happens from inside of us because of who we are. That's faith. That's faith. Now, tradition, if we're talking traditional church, tradition is so familiar for us as modern Christians today that we believe that, that how we do it, it's so ingrained in us that it seems, it seems so skeptical to question some of the beliefs we have about the system, about the institution, about the way that we do it. Because heaven forbid that we say, hey, we shouldn't do worship to start. Why are we doing worship to start? It's because it's what we've always done. Why do we do this on, on this uh, day? Why do we do this and this and this? Is, 
well, we have to get it in somewhere and we only have this much time. So this week we do this and this week we do this and this week and this week and this week. That's all bogus, right? And it's become so familiar to us that we, that we feel skeptical if we challenge, right? Even down to the scriptures that we preach on Sunday mornings. What version are you reading? I don't interpret it that way. I'm not here to force an interpretation of scripture onto you. I'm here to reveal it so God can do a work in your life. And so then it's not about you reading it like I read it or using the version that I use or hearing or seeing what God has said to me, what has to happen. And it's why we pray that you would be enlightened, that, that the spirit of revelation would come over you. And so you could see, so the scales will fall off of your eyes and you can say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's my God. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. That's why. That's why. So it's okay. To, it's okay to, to look at scripture different. It's okay. It might be traditional to just always receive what the pastor has always given you. I'm not that pastor. I'm not that guy. And so <laughs> it's important to keep two things in mind when you're thinking about traditional church. This is huge. Regardless of how long you've been there, what you've been doing, or how you've been doing it. There's two things to keep in mind, and these are really two things that we have to overcome if we are going to be about community and be about God's business and being the church. One, the Bible does not directly spell out any requirement for the church. It is not when you meet, do this, 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 and this. You see what happens because of community in Acts 2. You see what happens because they gathered, because they consistently gathered, because they were in constant relationship. You see what happens. But the Bible doesn't directly spell out a requirement for the church. So any additional practices are just that. They are just additions that will not gain us favor with God. They will not. The number two thing you need to see is believers are all equal before God. Every believer in Jesus Christ is seen as equal. If you have to give them a number, they are number one. Every individual is equal and seen as that. One and it's not 1A and 1B, it's 1. 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1. It's always about the 1. What this means is this requires no mediators other than Jesus. Okay? It requires no spiritual head other than God himself. And any tradition that, that denies or minimizes your rights and responsibilities as an independent person before God have no scriptural basis. Say it again. Any tradition that denies or minimizes your rights and responsibilities, so you can't, don't play the game, carry it, okay? Any tradition that denies or minimizes your rights and responsibilities as an independent person before God has no scriptural basis. Matter of fact, we see in Matthew 23, 8, Jesus tells his followers not to seek or hold authority over anyone. Do not do that. He's not talking about praying for people. He's not talking about that specific right here. What he says is, you only have one teacher. He says, don't go out and call yourselves this, that, or the other. Okay? You have one teacher, Jesus, and we are all equal as brothers and sisters. We're all equal. He says, even me. Okay? So, what do you need to know? We're, we're working to the modern church. Okay? What do you need to know? God will guide you to the truth as you seek him. God will guide you to the truth as you seek his will for your life. Seeking him includes an engagement, though. Remember, it's that, 
It's what we talked about. It's your right and it's a responsibility. Your responsibility isn't to engage in a relationship with him daily, whether that be prayer time, reading time. That all grows as you grow. It all grows as you learn, right? And so um, it's daily. In all of that, do not let any Christian tradition tell you otherwise for those two points. Okay, now let's talk about the modern church. Not as thick, not as thick because it's not as old, all right? The modern church tends to be more focused on world affairs. What's happening in the world? What? Okay, the modern church tends to be focused on world affairs and an entertaining style of delivering the word of God. We have, to, we have to church this up a little bit, if you will, right? We church this up a little bit, and, um, and we have to have, and there's an entertaining um, part of this that has to make it interesting, okay? Not all, not all churches, but most share the gospel, and they share it with a lot less truth and a lot more love, and they just deliver it in a more stylish package. And they start leaning to that style and how this looks, and what's going to get the most people here, right? And as time has passed and culture has changed and technology has transformed the world, we've worked ourselves into the microwave church, pushing all those C's to the side that we talked about earlier. Compassion, community, connection. We pushed all those things to the side because I've got 48 minutes, brother, and I've got to get on with the rest of my week, so it better be good today. You hear me? It better be good. And it's like, hey, man, if, if your heart's closed and your eyes are shut and your hands are closed, can't guarantee how good it's going to be today. Because if you want full control of God, God, God can work in any circumstance, any situation, but he won't. But he won't. It's a hard heart. God looks at your heart. And so we worked ourselves into a microwave culture, meaning this. at one time. Our country used to wait 10 minutes for the stove to heat up to cook anything. And we were totally okay with it. At one time, we used to wait 10 minutes for the stove to heat up. Still have to when we do cookies, right? But now today, we can't wait 30 seconds for the microwave to beep. That's real talk. We're in a place where we would rather drink the milk as opposed to eat the meat. How can I get that faster? Meat you something funny real quick. Here's a meme that Wyatt sent to me uh, earlier this week. Check this out. Speaking of milk, okay? And uh, it says, it says, God says, what are they doing down there? He's talking to an angel. And the angel says, they're making milk from almonds. And God says, what? I gave them like eight animals to get milk from. The angel says, they don't like that milk. <laughs> and there's your response. That's the funniest meme I saw this week, okay? Why? We want it faster. We want it easier. We want it more convenient. We want it easier to consume. How can I get everything I need as fast as I possibly can? Culture is driving that mindset, not kingdom. Culture is driving that mindset, not kingdom. And so things go so fast. Things go so fast. The what's change around us so fast. The new iPhone's out. Do you got it? Are you going to go wait in line? How long did you wait in line? It's how long I waited, right? Things go so fast and they constantly change and we get lost in all of that. 
And as we get lost in all of that, we lose our why as the church, our why as the church. And so we start trying to incorporate the things that we like into the church from leadership down. And we incorporate what we want our church to do for us. This is how I want church to fit my needs. And that's not what the church was intended to do. The church was intended to create more disciples. The church was intended for people to commit themselves to the teachings, to break bread and remember, to take communion, to have compassion, right? To have compassion, to pray, to have connection, to be with like-minded people, right? And to bring outsiders in, to bring um, sinners in is what they would say. Uh, it's kind of an old term, but to bring sinners in so the lost would be found. So the lost would be found. And that means it's not an insider's club. That means, ooh, there's, a, there's somebody new. Hey, man, how are you? Are you okay? Where are you from? You want to sit with me? That's what that means. That's what that means. It's hospitality. It's really what it is. And so as we discuss our why as the church, we need to understand that there are one, two, three. There are, I think there are three things here. It's not about tradition, style, religion, or denomination. That's not the why of the church. It's not about, well, we do this. It's not what it's about. It's not about our comfort. It's not about what's convenient. It's not about what, where, or how much you consume. It's not about that. It's never been about that. It is only about the kingdom of God. Adding numbers to the kingdom because we consistently come together, gather, share, bring, invite, and welcome others. Welcome those who have never been here before. Invite others who've never been here before. Online, we share with others who've never seen before so that God can do a work. We use our relationships to build the bridge from us to that person so God can just walk right across it. That's it. Man. So let's look at what the church is intended to be. The word church in your Bible, okay, in the Greek, third translation ever. The word church in your Bible translated in Greek means community. Community. This is who we're called to be. If you want to know what the definition of it is, Acts 2.42 through 47. Remember the three types of churches. You see Jesus' intention here. Leader, vision, community. Yes, it takes all, but you see Jesus' intention with the meaning of the word church. It means community. It's not about a place. It's our why. It's not about... It's not about a what, it's about a who. It's community, right? The church, we all know this. The church is a body of believers, not a building. We all know that the church is a movement that we lead, not a monument that we visit. Should probably make that the new heading of our website right there. The church is a movement that we lead, not a monument that we visit. The, to have community, though, you must have relationship, and this is where we've disconnected. As a community is a group of people in the same place that have things in common, do it regularly, right? That's community. Plus, a little church humor, you cannot have community without you and I. That's old school church humor. If you want that, you can steal it. It's all yours, okay? I think I, I stole it too. That's not original. 
And so you're welcome. Jesus says the church, in Ephesians 5, Jesus says the church is his most prized possession. It's the most prized possession. That should make you feel good today because you are the church. You're the community of faith. You're gathering today. It's not how we normally gather. It's not how we like to gather, but we are gathering today in the name of Jesus. We are connecting. God says, where you gather, in my name, I will be there. And so you're in the presence of God this morning, whether you feel it or not, whether you believe it or not. We're gathered, we're together, and we're connected, okay? About 250 um, of you are gathered outside. You're outside of the online experience right now. You're outside of the online service and you're watching in your feed. You're not actually in the room with us. You're not engaging in the comment section. You're not asking questions, but you're here. You're here. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Your next step is to step in the conversation and say hello. I've been watching this for a year. I'm interested. I like this. I want to be a part of this. This is how it should be, etc. Right? How can we get off on that? <laughs> that should make you feel good. If you're God's prized possession, that means you are you are the church. You are his most prized possession. That matches right up with why we give Matthew 6, 21, right? So in Matthew 12, 50, what you see, it says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What you see is this, this shows you, this shows you that Jesus sees his church as family, as, as a community of people dedicated to serving God. In Luke 8, 21, Jesus says, my mother and my brother are all those who hear God's word and carry it out. Carried out. Love that translation. What do you mean carried out? Obedience. Oh, I have to give up control again? No. No, because biblical obedience is there's a love for the Father and there's a trust in the Father. So I so I do. I carry it out. But I, I my doing is fueled by my being. It's because he breathed his spirit into me. It's because of that constant relationship with him that I can walk in this, that I can go and do my job, your why. That's it. It's biblical obedience. Love plus trust plus action, right? Here's the hope that you see today. What I hope you see today is Jesus teaches kingdom, not concrete. That how you are gathering right now is, is how you're gathering right now. See it for that. This is not a negative. You know, my one of my biggest, my biggest why for the year is to find the good. To find the good, I could spend a long time on that. And so find the good. So there's good in the opportunity to gather this morning. There's good in it, right? And so Jesus teaches kingdom. He does not teach concrete. The gospels, the, every gospel is filled with incredible perspective. And in, 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 in every parable, what you see, it's about the kingdom of God. They were Jesus' central teaching, and the kingdom he speaks about is not a where, but a why. This is why I came, so that the lost would be found, right? So that, so that the number of the kingdom would be added to daily. He speaks about it as a why, not a where. When people acknowledge God, here's what we need to see. When people acknowledge God, when they honor God and when they worship God, the kingdom is present where you are, where they are. It's not an act of God for this to happen. It's an act of us, fueled from that relationship. Our being fuels our doing. Who we are fuels what 
we do as a church, as a body, right? And so it's what makes gathering special. That sins that was is what makes gathering special. When we gather and we acknowledge God, we honor God, and we worship God, the kingdom is present. That's what you hear people say, step into the presence of God. So if, if you're brand new to church, like, what the heck is that? That's real, okay? Because when these three things happen, God's presence is real. We already know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time, right? So then it's not an act of God for you to experience his presence. It's an act of us in acknowledging, honoring, and worshiping. This is why the church gathering is so special. This is what I miss. Throughout the Gospels, you can find Jesus teaching on the characteristics of his kingdom people, of his disciples, the people that he used, and they reflect. Every person he teaches about reflects the character of God in the world. The church was never about brick and mortar. It has always been greater than that. It is about a way of being in the world. The church is about a way of being in the world, not about brick and mortar. That's why it says we're two or three or more gather in my name. It doesn't say we're 6,000 gather in my name. I'll be there. They will because we're doing this. But there's no pressure. There's no pressure. It just takes humility, right? Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says this. He says, he's talking to Peter here. And what we need to see in the scriptures, he says, Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What he's saying to Peter is really thick. It's deep. That's encouragement if you're part of the church today because it says all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Tons of, tons of evil acts happening all over the world. Makes me sick. Good news. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. You will not be conquered as the church. You won't. I'm always with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All of those things, those promises are true. Jesus tells Peter, what you see in Matthew 6 and 18, Jesus tells Peter he is the rock of the church. He affirms Peter's faith. He affirms Peter's character. And he says that he is going to be the foundation of the kingdom community as it grows. Okay, that's, that's truth right there. What it's not is this. This is not Jesus hiring Peter, a fisherman by trade, to come in and be a subcontractor to erect a building with a steeple. That's not what Jesus is saying to Peter here. Notice Jesus only tells Peter. <laughs> he only notes Peter's devotion. He tells him to continue the kingdom work he's already begun. Continue in who you are being. Continue being the church, Peter, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus told him then, you are to steward the people of God. He didn't say to have a giving campaign. He didn't say to mention uh, weekly services. He didn't even say that. Okay? 2,000 years later, we find ourselves here. We open. Why? We open with Acts 2.42-47 to see our why. But in 2021, it's easy to look at Acts 2.41. Right above, right above the why for the first church. And to see this, those who accepted his message were baptized, and 3,000 were saved that day, were added to the kingdom that day. That's huge. And we see that number. We see that metric, and we try to figure out, how can I reproduce that number? I want to be part of that number. What's that number doing? I want to go do that. 
And that's not, that's not what we're called to do or who we're called to be. We ask ourselves, what do we need to do to get that many people here? And the truth is, nothing. Only God does that. Only God does that. Our personal responsibility is only ever one. Self, right? Take heed to yourself and to the flock. One. It's only ever one. Share with one. Invite one. Bring one. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Jesus did not die for a group of people. He wasn't looking for another statistic. It wasn't, hey, how many are here right now? Okay, hey, give me some, uh, give me some fish. And uh, when you look at that story, what you realize is it was never about the number. It was, oh, we need some food. Okay, why? Because these people are hungry. Okay. It wasn't, oh, how many guys? This is an amazing opportunity for a miracle, guys. Okay, everybody pay attention. You, you, you go find whoever's got the food, okay? And just check this out. It wasn't about that. There was compassion in his heart for a crowd of people who were sitting in pockets. His why was it was compassionate. That's what it was about. And so he died for the individual. He came for the one. He knows your story. He gives you salvation. That's free. Salvation's free. It's, it's, it's only what you have to receive. You accept it. You receive Jesus because he paid the price for you. He paid it in full. Jesus paid it all. He's not looking for a percentage. He's looking to make it personal. He wants to make it personal. He came to reconnect you, to reestablish your relationship with God, your relationship. Not, hey, I came, and guys, because I came, all you guys are good now, okay? <laughs> hey, this one's on me. You guys are good. He came to be here, to make it personal, for relationship, for relationship. It's about relationship, and it's specifically about your relationship to God, the Father. The church is us. In us, it's not about whatever number you want to create. You can ask me how big I want our church to be. One. One, am I discouraged by ones who walk away? Yeah, I am. It bothers me a little bit. But you know what? That was their time and their season, and I pray God's blessing on them. I believe God's best for them, and I believe that what God revealed to them while they were here blew their mind, and they were actually able to move forward. It's the best. The church is us. It's a bunch of ones. It's a bunch of ones. It's a community of faith. Saved by grace. Still a bunch of ones. Even online, we're a bunch of ones. The church is you and it's me and it's personal. It's about our personal relationship with Jesus, seeking God's will for our life so we can fellowship and worship and remember, right? All the C's that we saw in Acts 2. Let's look at the YI2. Closing up. This is, a, this is it. When you look at the Y in the center of this relate, in the center of this, um, Bullseye, YI. When you look, you see that the Y is about real relationship. And hopefully we have covered that today. That this is that our center circle here is. It's not just about one relationship. You are one person. How many people are you connected to? What is the shape of those relationships? Okay. 
are you salt and light to those people? And let me not get too far ahead of myself. And so then as we look at this, we see that our why is real relationships. It's Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And hopefully if you've been with me for any amount of time, you understand this. This is my, this is one of my hows. This is the why of redefined church. It's what God told us. It is when the, when the Pharisees asked Jesus, Hey, you got all these laws, you know, which one? And he says, listen up, man. He says, if you will just love the Lord, your God with everything you have, heart, soul, mind, spiritually, emotionally, physically healthy, right? If you will love the Lord, your God with everything you have. And if you will love your neighbors yourself, verse 40, we never share, but it says this, everything hangs on these two. If you just do these two things, you'll find that everything else takes care of itself. If you'll operate in the spiritual, okay, there's no law against being nice to each other, being kind. There's no law against loving God. There's no law against loving your neighbor. But if, like my really great friend shared, if you're at war, if you're at war with yourself, you're never going to be at peace with anybody else. So you must love yourself too. And that seems weird. If you want to talk about it, I'm all ears and I would love, I would love to have a conversation. I'm not going to pretend like, like I know everything because I don't, but I've been there. I've been emotionally weak. How? How do we walk out that why? Be honest. Be hospitable. Honor others. We're those three things, and that creates unity. That creates a multicultural church that welcomes people on their terms. Woo, that creates unity, right? And so, honesty being, be real. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's squeaky clean. That's Romans 3.23. Honor. Respect one another. Respect one another. This is Romans 12.10. A lot of these are the uh, Good News Translation. Hospitality. Love one another. Love one another. Genuine biblical hospitality welcomes people as they are. It welcomes people where they're at. It says, no, you don't have to not do that anymore. You don't have to dress up like that. Dude, just come on. Come on, man. This is where you want to be. This is the place. Come on in. The water is fine, right? And those three things, I believe, create and help us get to Jesus' prayer in John 17, unity, because we share the same heart. We share the same heart, and so we're community. We're a community of faith. We have fellowship. And so let's bump out to the last thing. We've worked our way inside out. We're at what now? What do we do then, Dusty? What do we do? We love. We love. We operate in love. That's directly connected to our why. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbors, yourself. Love. We value people. We believe the best for people. We forgive others as God has forgiven us. We are humble. And we don't judge. Not even on Facebook. Not even a little bit. Okay? Because people are worth more than my opinion. That's why. Now, well, that's easy to say. Do you believe the best for other people? Do you believe the best for yourself? Where are you at with your self-talk? Do you forgive others? Have you forgiven yourself? Are you judging yourself? To love is to give. Our treasure is people. It's Matthew 6, 21. It's why we value people. Man, we give to see more come to the kingdom. Not so we can say redefine us. That doesn't matter. Because if they come here and they never make it to the kingdom, we fail as a body. I fail as, as a pastor. Learn. Number two, the second thing is learn. 
Learn who God is and who he's called you to be. Who God is and who he's called you to be. God the Son, or God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit in you. Learn who God is. That starts with a relationship by accepting his son Jesus, right? We never stop learning. We will never stop learning. Learning starts with knowing, and it's not a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. It's John 17, 3, that we would know the one true God. The next, what we do, what do we do next? We live. We live. This is the action of your faith. You grow in your relationship by committing to daily engagement with God. Affirm your faith and be baptized, right? So you've learned. Now we are in, engaged in those spiritual disciplines, those daily disciplines. It's a tough word, but it is what it is, okay? Our faith is affirmed. We know who we are in Christ. We are baptized. We go through the baptisms, right? How do I do this? I'm going to be intentional. As I live, I'm going to be intentional to find my why, which is rooted in our why is to get a who to aware. If you go back to last week's message, you'll see uh, a lot about your individual why. And we get involved and we, we become part of the body. We get involved. Living as an example is show me, don't tell me. It's Colossians 3, 12 through 13. What's it say? Operate in the spiritual. It's a mirror of Galatians 5, 23. We operate in the spiritual. Okay, There's no law against loving one another. And we lead. Last thing we do is lead. We get out in front. We sprinkle a little salt. Okay? We show people how to be the church. We shine a little light. Right? And the reality of leading is, I'm going to live for someone else. Who are you praying for right now? I'm going to live for someone else. To take them on the same journey that I'm on. To bring them along. That's why we bring and invite others. It has to start with praying for some person to bring. It's not a random text or invite. There's not been connection or relationship. They're not coming. If you've never talked to them before, and, and like, you know, since you graduated high school and you send them an invite to church, chances are they're not coming. It's going to take, it's going to take investing in them, and being consistent in those investments to gain that influence and that relationship back. But you have that connection for a reason. We bring other others along because it's 1 Corinthians 15, 3. It's what Paul said. Pass it on. As you receive it, pass it on. As you receive it, pass it on. That's how the gospel dies is when we don't lead the way. So we stay cooped up at home, put our salt, you know, we, we're not salt. We put the flashlight up. We don't have the light. We stay locked up at home and we fail to pass it on. This is what's fixing to happen in, in the country right here. Pass it on. We're going to lead. You're going to see people stand up and lead. A movement in the church like never before because people are going to understand 1 Corinthians 15 3. As I receive it, it's my responsibility to pass it on, right? Not to hold it and say, Guess what I know? Guess what I learned today? Right here. I just got to store it right up here again, right? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why, if you look at this, I, why here, from the inside out, from real relationships to the how to the what, why do we do that? Because we're not conforming to tradition. We're not conforming to style. We're not changing with culture. We're coming back to relationship, back to community, back to community, which begins with relationship. How do I know? John 13, 35 tells us, he says this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Doesn't that fit right along with our why? Sure does. So then what's our action step today as a church? Our action step is this. 
It's individual. It's personal. It's about the one. Identify where you are in our what. You weren't paying attention. You missed them all. Identify where you are with loving, loving, <laughs> loving, learning, living, and leading the gospel in your life so others see it. We never stop learning, so don't say you've got there. The moment you stop learning, steady track down, right? And so we're always there. We're always learning. Never stop learning. That's a value, okay? Where are you inside of love? Your love for God, your love for yourself, your love for others. Identify that. Where are you with forgiveness? Where are you with forgiveness today? Because if you have not forgiven somebody else, it says, Jesus, we forgive those as Christ has forgiven us, has redeemed us. If there needs to be a redemption in a relationship, it starts with forgiveness. But ownership, right, starts with forgiveness. Where are you inside of living in a daily relationship? Do you not have any time? Um, are you inconsistent? Do you not believe in it? Do you do it on the way to work? Where are you in that? What is your next step in living it out? Where are you inside of leading the gospel, right? Who are you? Are you salty? Have you turned it off? Have you given up? Are you tired? Are you discouraged? Where are you in that? Do not bypass these what's. Now, if you look at the why, spiritual, real relationship, okay, that takes a lot. Our hows are who we are. We are hospitable right? We are honest. We are honoring. We honor one another. These are who we are, and we become one when these hows exist. To the what's, which are love, live, learn, lead. These are actions. These are actions that are fueled from relationship, okay, to others. And so, don't bypass the what's, and do not only adopt the what, okay? A random act of kindness is great, but what connects people to the gospel? Relationship. A random act of kindness? Sweet. I see somebody feed the homeless people uh, out here on uh, 94 on a regular basis. There's relationship there. Money. That's compassion. That's real. There's relationship. The gospel is making its way into those people's hearts. Throwing, throwing your extra change out once every whatever, and it's not about that, okay? It's not about that. Buying somebody, um, you know, a Mountain Dew or taking somebody somewhere just because. Those are all great random acts of kindness, but they are a seed that we are sowing, that we're planting to see a harvest of Jesus, of Christ, of kingdom come forth on the earth. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. So then, next week, we're going to discuss how to build the church, how to build the church. Really fired up about this. And go. <laughs> how we're going to build the church in our way, in our way going forward, our way. Spoiler alert, it has nothing to do with brick and mortar, and it has nothing to do with a building. It does have to do with, it is about our way of being in the world, and it's tied to Jesus's vision for community. It's tied to Jesus' vision for community, so do not miss that. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.